Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 263, brought to you by Hook'em.com. Our good friends at Bud Light, Cedric Golden here with the duck. Kirk Bowles and Duck, we live in national championship territory. In the water. All of a sudden, the University of Texas is the sexy flavor. What the hell's going on in the 512? I'm telling you. A whole lot's going on. That's what I mean. I mean, this is the year of the Longhorn. I don't know what what is this the Chinese animal year of. I wonder what it is. But <laughs> I should guy Al Stewart. Is this the year of the cow? Year <laughs> of the cat? Year of the, this the year of the steer? <laughs> year of the steer. I mean, they've never had more than three team national championships in a year. I don't believe. And uh, as we're taping this, the uh, UT men's golf team is in the finals against Arizona State later uh, this afternoon in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Greyhawk Golf Course, and they are on a roll. You know, they can get by them. They'll win their fourth national championship and first since 2012 when you had Bo Hostler and Dylan Fratelli and, oh, yeah, Jordan Spieth was on that team too. Who isn't on a roll at the <laughs> University of Texas right now? Uh, well, it's spring, so maybe maybe we'll reconvene. Uh, we'll ask that again in the fall and find out. And then in the spring, with those with the two big dogs, Mister Mister Beard and Mister Sarkeesian. But as far as the spring is concerned, man, we got you mentioned golf, women's rowing, back to back national titles, women's tennis, back to back national titles, track is in the NCAA's top-rated men's and women's teams. Uh, we're going to have uh, sprinters uh, Jonathan Jones and Makai Harris on a little later. Softball in the College World Series. Guess who we got? The All-American, the best player, maybe uh, not named Cat Osterman, in school history, Janae Jefferson, will yeah. be joining us. And the big one coming up on Friday the Austin Regional is upon us, and Duck, the Longhorns did what they had to do. They got to the championship game of the Big 12 tournament and earned one of 16 regional bids. Texas v. Air Force, 1 o'clock, first pitch on the History Channel, a.k.a. the Longhorn Network. Doug, I, I got to tell you, man, I'm just excited because I was afraid we were going to end up in College Station. Yeah, I mean, nothing quite like a, the buzz of a home regional. I mean, this town and Longhorn Nation loves their baseball, and uh, there's nothing quite like it. I know uh, that they've always had that mystique in baseball, which I don't think they have in, in many other sports, if any. But the baseball team rises to the occasion. It looked bleak. You and I were both writing. It looks very slim. They're going to have to – you know, they've got Kansas and West Virginia, their last two series, and they either got to sweep them or win five out of six and then probably at least get to the championship game of the Big 12 tournament. And what happened? And what did they do? They did exactly that. They won five and six, lost one game, the last game at West Virginia, but then swept Kansas, started 2-0 and in the Big 12 tournament, looked like gangbusters, won two out of three from Oklahoma State. And we won't talk about that final game. That that didn't turn out quite so well. But I think they when they went 2-0 and in the Big 12 tournament to start beating uh, Oklahoma State and TCU, I think that got them in, don't you? Those it, are it, tournament teams. Those yeah. are tournament teams that tournament were ahead of them teams. in the standings. Right, and Oklahoma State's hosting. TCU 
going A and M, but probably should have hosted. I talked to Slosh. Froggies aren't happy. The Froggies are not happy. I don't think the Aggies are happy. I don't think TCU is a great team. I think even though they won the regular season, I really think Oklahoma State and Texas and Oklahoma are the three best teams in that league. Now give TCU props. They did it. And Kirk Sarloose, uh, give him credit for pulling that out. But what kind of reward is that? You win the Big 12 regular season. Oh, you're a two-seed. We're shipping you to A&M. That wasn't exactly a reward, was it? was not a reward, and I don't think Schloss, uh, A&M coach, uh, Schloss Nagel is very happy either that his former froggies are coming in to Bluebell Park, a.k.a. Olsen Field. Um, Nice little tweak by the NCAA. I know they like to try to save a little money on travel. You know, Duck, I was at I was at the Occupy Left Field event at Matt's El Rancho on Tuesday know. night. And um, to a couple of hundred people showed up. Rock great crowd. The Longhorn baseball team was in the house. Uh, all of them there? How many were there? All of them? All of them. I saw them all. I saw the. Wow. Uh, I talked to the Hispanic Titanic, Ivan Melendez, Douglas Hodo, Travis Staley, LeBaron Johnson. Those guys were all there. They uh, People in Austin know that Matzel Rancho is closed on Tuesdays, but it was open. Uh, <laughs> our guy, Melvin, our favorite manager, Melvin, opened it up, and they had buffet-style fajitas. And it was a great evening. Longhorn Legends. Stop, it's lunch hour. You're making me hungry, dude. Longhorn Legends were in the house. The Houston Street was in the house. Justin Simmons was in the house. Drew Stubbs was in the house. There was some, uh, oh, Coach Todd Dodge was in the house. Yeah, I saw pictures of them there. Yeah, I walked. I walked up to him. I go. I go. You know, there's an opening at Huddo, and he goes, "Oh, don't start on me." Then he goes, "When are we going to get some Chinese food?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, he eats at, you know, he eats at Lotus all the time. Oh, yeah, he's a regular, same as we are. So, uh, but yeah, and Justin Simmons, shout out to him. He's uh, he's one of the the leaders of the RBI Inner City Youth Baseball Team, which is doing such a great job here in Austin, Texas. We need to get a. Jay Simmons on our podcast uh, one of these days. And- I'm glad you mentioned that, Duck, because I asked Justin Simmons. Yeah. I said, Justin, I go, we both know that when Texas is right, they're as good as anybody in the country. Oh, yeah. And here's what Justin Simmons had to say. These guys got a lot of talent in that clubhouse. I know there'll be some older guys that may contest the statement, but this may be one of the best hitting teams the University of Texas has ever seen. You're not even close. I, I didn't watch UT baseball before 2000. Oh, yeah. But since 2000, this is the best hitting team top to bottom I've ever seen. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had a little struggles in the back of the bullpen on occasion. We've got a lot of good arms back there, and anyone knows when you face good arms, Man, they could have a good day, and uh, we got a lot of good pitches at the front end of the rotation. Oh, yeah. This team creates a lot of excitement. They're fun to go watch every time you see them. Duck, no one is avoiding the elephant in the room, Mm -hmm. and that's the bullpen. Justin knows that if the starters, you you got – now, the regional is a different animal because you got to win more than two games. Right. I'm not picking against Texas against anybody in a super regional mm-hmm. with Pete Hansen and, and, and Lucas Gordon. But in a regional, someone else is gonna have to step up. And then if and then the bullpen is gonna have to show up. And the bullpen had its moments, Doug. They did. At Globe did. Life. The, the the last game was brutal, but they had a, a nice little run there. They found they found a, a little bit of uh, stability, I thought, in those first three games. Well, you mentioned LeBaron Johnson. He threw ninety eight at Arlington. Dude, he's got a gun. You know, Duplantier, you know, looks looks healthy again. Uh, Jared Southard had some good moments. Uh, uh, Luke Lucas Harrison, uh, lefty, you know, had some control issues, but I like him. Uh, Joshua Stewart. He impressed me. They've got some arms in there. Daniel and Blair. Daniel Blair's another one. They, they've got some arms. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be worried about the future 
with the arms they have. Now, Aaron Nixon is still broken, and it just probably is not going to get fixed this year. But the key, maybe Tristan Stevens, you know, I thought he might have started him uh, against Oklahoma rather than bringing him in the bullpen. Uh, but Tristan Stevens is going to be a big key this weekend, you know, how they use him. And uh, he doesn't throw that hard, so he could probably bounce back a little quicker. So if you if you need somebody to get a couple of innings, you know, he's probably your guy. So he's going to be a big key. And the decision is going to be – I go with Gordon against Air Force uh, on Friday because if you're going to win this regional, Lucas Gordon is going to have to beat somebody really good. And you'd rather – you know, save Pete for a better competition. The Air Force is damn good, but their records, I think 30 and 27. That's what 15, they are. 15 and 15, the Mountain West. Hadn't been in the regional since 69, but they've been here before. They were here in split two series. They scored 20, uh, was it, what was it, 24 runs and 28 hits, and they split a series with Texas and Austin earlier this year. And not they afraid need, of Texas. They're not. Texas, Trey Fautini, I did a walk-off to beat them. And the other thing I was looking up today said five, three different innings, Air Force scored five, five, and six runs, which has been an Achilles heel for this uh, Texas program. Once it goes, it can go in a hurry, and that's dangerous because we saw Oklahoma State during their sweep put up a 10 spot. You made me go to that game while you were – home on your couch, and then then Oklahoma just Sunday scored eight runs, and that was all they needed. So they've got to avoid the big inning. But I'd go with Gordon. Who would you go with uh, Friday? I agree. Um, You know, the second game is number two, Louisiana Tech versus uh, number three, Dallas Baptist. That would be my Pete Hansen game. Yeah, me too. That's the big one because you get get past Air Force. That's your semifinal. Mm -hmm. You got your horse. You get hit, you get the you get you get the two and oh right and you protect that bullpen and you're you're playing a little bit more with house money and then you can maybe piece a mill. This is the difference with this Texas team and other teams that have made postseason runs in the past. They always had three or four dependable guys. They only have two guys that you can really depend on as starters yeah. right now. Yeah. And that puts a lot of onus on for my in my opinion the best offense in school history it mm-hmm. puts a lot of, a lot of pressure on them and um we haven't talked about this air force has a big burly 66 235 pound right-hander by the name of Paul Skeens. Skeens he's projected as a as a first round pick next year MLB draft 10 and 2 yeah 2.52 ERA and opponents are hitting 214 against him. Duck, he's a Haas. He is a Haas. And not only is he a Haas, he's a catcher when he's not pitching. He didn't That's pitch. That's a against, tough guy. He didn't pitch against Texas when they were here in what was that, February, I guess it was. Yes, but, uh, but he will. He hit but two I, home runs. He will this time. But he hit two home runs in that yes. series. So this guy's a stud and probably will be a first rounder next year. And it's got a, he throws a hundred miles an hour. He's been clocked at a hundred. Uh, last year he was their freshman closer and had 11 saves. He was the only D one player in the nation to have double digit saves and home runs in the same season. So the one thing I would say, and he, he could come in and just be throwing uh, flames and shut them down. But usually historically Texas gets up and hits those hard throwers. It's those crafty lefties like a Pete Hansen, a Brian Dare, JP Howe, people like that that puts them in knots. But they can hit they can hit they can hit the hot stuff. Usually can. They are a dead red offense. And tr- right. historically they have been a dead red offense. Yeah. They, they hit fastballs well. Um this guy throw this is the hardest thrower they will have seen this season. Yeah, I think so. And I was looking at the stats and in you know, some of them had, you know, Ivan Melendez had that home run for his 29th home run. Congrats. He's struggling. He's struggling. But he was three for 15, but, and he wasn't feeling great. He told us on Monday when we were out at the dish, he had fever and chills and was throwing up first couple of days. So it was Silas Ardwan, their great catcher. But some of the others, Trey Faltini, seven hits, seven for 19, came alive 
up at Arlington. Bases uh, loaded uh, double broke open yeah. that Oklahoma State win. Exactly. Biggest hit of his year. Seven for 19. Was he also uh, Austin Todd was seven for 19 uh, as a DH. His stroke looked so much better. And Doug Hodo, uh, who you visited with uh, Tuesday night, had six hits and a couple doubles. But uh, Eric Kennedy wasn't hitting. Ivan wasn't hitting that much. Poor Mitch Daly, he's one for 18. Hit a few balls hard, but uh, you're not going to have everybody hitting on all cylinders, though. No, you're not, Doug. And, uh, man, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm writing about this Occupy Left Field thing for Saturday. Uh, it'll be online on Saturday on state on hook'em.com and statesman.com. Uh, th- this collective of, of people who love Texas baseball, mm-hmm. Uh, people like Houston Street and Seth Johnston and Drew Stubbs and uh, Mark Pena, um, Britt Peterson have all come together and they've decided, Doug, that they want Texas baseball players to pocket $10,000 when they sign from here on in. And what they want to do is those guys are going to be active in the community. They're going to contract them out to, to make appearances at these charitable events like mobile dishes that you're very, that you have a passion for that you, I mean, you work for those people, several charities are going to benefit. And man, if you think about the fact that they've got to split 11.7 scholarships, Doug, how big is $10,000 in your pocket as a baseball player who might just be getting tuition, who might just be getting books, who might just be getting room and board. How big is that where you can where you know your money is going to be your 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 books are taken care of your your school is taken care of and all you got to do is concentrate on baseball while also serving as a a, a great uh, help in the city to people who are in need. I love it. Did they ask Nick Saban's permission to do <laughs> this or uh, no, it's, it's a great deal and I salute them what they're doing and you and I are both very pro athlete. I mean, how many podcasts have we done in the last year where we get ex Longhorn players that said, yeah, I ate a lot of ramen noodles. Darren you know, Johnson, Cole McCoy. PBJs when I was in school. So anything they can do uh, to help out these athletes, it's, it's a great deal. And I salute them for that. And like you said, they are going to represent the Texas brand as well as themselves. And they are going to do good things in the neighborhood you know, I don't think we'd probably say enough about the Longhorn athletes that give of their time, their little time with all the, the schoolwork and the practices and prep and games and stuff like that. So I salute all those that are that are giving back and helping the community they live in. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. And there is, was a buzz in that room, Duck. They are excited. Longhorn Nation is excited. I mean, they nearly filled up Matt's El Rancho. That is not wow. a small restaurant wow. by any stretch. Did you eat? They, the bar area was packed. Yeah. That back room, there was people at every table. Uh, I didn't go into that that one where you go to the left where we usually sit. I didn't go into that room, but the that first main dining room and the one in, behind it and the bar area filled with Longhorn fans. Well, I got filled one. with Longhorn fans. Did you have the Asadero tacos? It was buffet style. The, the kitchen was closed. Right. And uh, my cousin, Puchois, was like, uh, give me some Asadero tacos, fam. And he gave me a $20 bill. And I asked Mel, Mel, yeah, they they didn't have, they, they was buffet style. And I'm going to tell you, man, what a great event. What a great cause. And the luminaries were out. Scott Wilson, the super fan, was in the building. Always good to see Scott, and just 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 a wonderful event. And and when when you when you see those familiar faces, you might not know the names, but you see you've seen these fans all over the place for years and years, and they came out to support. You get the feeling that a that a postseason run may be imminent. I know I sound like a homer. But I'm telling you, Duck, they're hungry. And somehow the team that started the year 11-0 and is being a little bit overlooked on the national scale. People talking more about Tennessee mm-hmm. than Texas. And uh, when they're right, Duck, 
Yeah. I'm not picking against the Longhorns. I wouldn't no. either. I mean, the, my crazy prediction would be that uh, that four of them would advance out of uh, re- uh, regionals into super regionals, and two of them would go to the College World Series. And I don't know which two it could be, but I like – you know, Texas Tech got a tough draw there over there in Georgia Southern, which is hosting, and Notre Dame's in that region. That, a lot of people thought Notre Dame – would be a top eight seed in host, but they didn't for the second year in a row. Uh, Oklahoma's over there at Florida with Liberty and Central Michigan. That's winnable because, you know, Skip Johnson, former Longhorn pitching Skipper. coach, I didn't go. And I mean, you saw Cade Horton, the tail end of their pitching staff, and he in, came in and shut down Texas. Those look know, great. Sunday night. So they look good. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma State, you know, they got a home regional. They got to mess with Arkansas and Dave Van Horn, but it's been kind of a mystery team this year. But I like the Cowboys' chances as well as the Texas' chances. And I think uh, Texas Tech and OU could, you know, survive in advance. Now, Texas didn't get a top eight, so they've got to take why. care of business. I don't think that East Carolina is going to hold its water. I think and Virginia's why? coming out of there. And I believe the Texas Longhorns will be hosting the Super Regional. Duck. Virginia, 38 and 17, they're for real. That's the I don't think East Carolina is going to be able to hold off Virginia. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be an interesting one to follow. So, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, – and they're not matched up with the Aggies. They're not going to College Station. They're not matched up with the Aggies. So, they'd have to see them in Omaha if they're going to uh, meet old friends. Uh, <laughs> but it could happen. And like I said, you and I love this time of year. Uh, I know Austin does, and it's going to be a thrill a minute. And uh, the other good thing, Ivan Melendez gets that home run, gets it out of the way. I thought that was big for him. It's a big I deal. It's no longer a, it's no longer a story now. Right. He can take a breath and get back to being the Titanic. Yeah. If As long as he doesn't get hit by pitch. He got hit by pitchers three times. I think he got that one on the wrist looked, looked brutal. Oh, he you showed know, us on his back Monday. He got the big old I saw wrist. that one. I saw Ooh. that one. And that one when he got hit on the wrist, I mean, you know, the baseball players are so superstitious. Oh yeah. Don't rub it. They don't want you to don't they don't want you to see that it hurts. Right. But he wanted to rub that thing. So <clears> he <throat> wanted man. to rub that thing. And I don't he blame him. He was a him. target, man. He was a target up there. So uh, uh you know, if it were me, I'd probably walk Ivan Melendez every single time up. I don't care who's on base, but uh, but yeah, they they're gonna be uh, the the dish is gonna be rocking come Friday. The dish is gonna be rocking. The horns open it up Friday, one o'clock first pitch against Air Force. Uh, the nightcap at seven thirty. Number two Louisiana Tech versus number three Dallas Baptist. Baseball season just just turned it up a notch. It's the playoffs, it's the tournament, and we're going to be all over it. Daniel Davis on Hook'em.com, the Doug Kirk Bowles, and myself, if they need me. And I know they will, because Daddy's covering game two. Can't freaking wait. It'll be fun. On Second Thought. Duck, joining us is a Longhorn great. I know the OG Cat Osterman is the greatest to ever do it in Texas softball, but if we're talking about the greatest position player in school history, look no further than Janae Jefferson, second baseman extraordinaire. The number 12 Horns opened the College World Series in Oklahoma City against UCLA. Noon today, ESPN's bringing you the call. Janae, we're so pleased to have you join us. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you guys? <laughs> we are awesome, man. There's room for two goats, right? For sure. Yeah, always. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, man, what a terrific career and uh, what a way to bring it to a close and at the Women's College World Series. Did you ever think this day was going to come? Honestly, no, but each day I just kept working harder and harder to hopefully end my career out here. No better way to end my career than at the Women's College World Series. So. Well, that is so awesome. News broke on uh, Wednesday that you're a four-time All-American. You finally get that College World Series breakthrough. How exciting is it for you uh, having a dream season? You just got drafted by Athletes Unlimited, going to be getting some money to play the game you love, and now you get to try to go out on top. That's got to be a thrill for you. 
for sure. It's definitely a dream come true. Just all the accomplishments I've had this season and just to finish it here at the at OKC is just a cherry on top, I feel. So, yeah, it's just an amazing feeling. And I'm truly blessed for this opportunity to be here and to just soak in everything, the sights, the smells, all the people in the stands. So just enjoying this entire moment. What did you uh, what, what did you have to go through on uh, Wednesday? I mean, we're we're taping this on a Wednesday. So what has your day been like at OKC? You didn't just get to go to the hotel and sleep and, and then watch Netflix. What did you have to do? Yeah, so this morning we had an early breakfast, I want to say around 8.45. And after that, we had a stretching session, kind of yoga, uh, mobility session. And after that, we headed to the fields to start media day with ESPN, NCAA.com, other radio stations and things like that, just to get the whole weekend going. Uh, a lot of pictures being taken. And then after that, we had practice. Um, I want to say a hour, hour and a half practice. And now we're back here and I'm talking to you guys. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> so it's kind of a good tired, huh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was going to ask you specifically about fatigue. I mean, you guys have been on the road, you know, it's just like Lewis and Clark. I mean, you <laughs> go to Washington on the road for the regional, then you go to Arkansas for the super regional, come home for a day or two. And now you're at Oklahoma City. It's, do you worry about fatigue? And what is Coach White and his staff having y'all do to kind of be rested for tomorrow's game with UCLA? Yeah, the good thing here about UT is that we have a great medical staff and we have massage therapists on the road with us, uh, Cassie, our trainer. So just getting us all right, especially uh, the grandmas on the team, the five years uh, seniors. <laughs> so, yeah, my body's definitely feeling it, but um, I'm nowhere uh, better to end it than here at OKC. So I plan on putting my body on the line for this game since my last collegiate um, tournament here. So, yeah, just going out with the bang, really. Hitting 431. It's 15th in the country, Doug, but it's second. It's second in the Big 12 and third overall among Power 5 players. Battle-tested, go to Seattle, took down Washington, and then went into hostile territory in Fayetteville. Had a little pork over the weekend, <laughs> took it down the Hoggets. Always fun to beat Arkansas. You got to, I mean, I know, I know you guys are probably mentally fatigued, but coming through that gauntlet, mm-hmm. that schedule, and and getting being the first team from Texas to get to a College World Series via a road super regional, that For has sure. to give you all some confidence, even though you're going up against the uh, most successful team in College World Series history, the Bruins. For sure, definitely um, out in Fayetteville. I want to say there's about 3,000 fans out there, so I feel like that atmosphere in itself prepared us for – what we're about to experience this weekend. So just being out there and having our 20, maybe 25 fans cheering for us out there and giving us all the support from Longhorn Nation. So we knew just if we can make it through that atmosphere out there, then we can make it here uh, just zoning everything out and playing our game. Let me ask before you go, Doug, um, before you ask her, I got to ask about Fayetteville. How bad was it? Because we both cover football games there. Yeah. And they are brutal. Uh, what was it as hateful as you anticipated? And how did you guys uh, persevere and handle that? Yeah, I don't think it was too bad. I know they're probably worse on the guys out there on the field, but uh, they treat us a little bit better since we're women. I feel, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Uh, just a little suey cheer with their hands up, things like that. So it was great. How could you be mean to that sweet face? I mean, come on. Yeah, you. you know, it's funny. I did a column. It'll be in tomorrow's paper on Sophia Simpson and Estelle check who had big pitch performance against Weber state in the regional in Arkansas. Sure. And they said, I asked them how quiet it was. And she said, after y'all celebrated for a brief time, maybe saying, uh, the eyes of Texas, the stands were empty. Was yep. that the way it was? Did they just file out as fast as they could? Yeah, for sure. As soon as we had two outs, they started walking out and just kind of <laughs> giving up on their team. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I got to ask you about the catch. I was out oh, there yeah. Monday talking to you and uh, Haley and uh, Sophia and Estelle. Best catch you've ever made 
in softball? I think so. <laughs> I think Describe so. Describe it for us. The, the the watchers, the audience that didn't get to see it. I mean, you just laid yourself out. Can you describe the play? Yeah, of course. So I knew it was a blue pit off of Sophia. She was throwing a change up. So uh, just turn around, drop step, running back for the ball. And I saw it. I didn't think I was going to get to it, but I was just like, Janae, just dive. You never know what could happen. So dove out for it and had to make sure that I kept it in my gloves. I don't know how you kept it in your glove. That that was phenomenal. (laughs) Did you Thank know you. that it made – when did you find out it made the sports center top ten? I think my dad uh, actually texted me about it and sent me the YouTube link that it made sports center. So, yeah. He was nice. Well, and I'm sure everybody that's followed the softball knows you've kind of been in a slump. You're only hitting 522. Uh, <laughs> got to pick it up, kid. You got I mean, to pick on, it up. come on, really. You You're only 12 for 23. How long is this slump supposed to last? <laughs> I mean, have you ever been this locked in? At the plate? Yeah, I think um, in my previous years, making it to Super Regionals and us not having the uh, result that we wanted, us losing that third game, because we'd always make it to the third game and we'd never pull it out. So I knew that this time I wanted it bad. And even making that catch, backing up Sophia in the the circle, just putting my body on the line because I wanted this so bad and for so long, really. So just going out there and doing whatever I could to – not only get myself here, but get the team here. I wanted everybody to experience this moment um, just for us. That's awesome. Great hire. Mike Mike White came in with the resume, and he has delivered um, just just a winner. You guys break through. Now, I know you played UCLA earlier this season. Uh, they beat you 2-1 to one in something called the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. Yeah. It's a tongue twister in February, 2-1. to one. They held you to – uh, six hits. Uh, their pitcher, uh, Megan Faramo, uh, Faramo, I don't know how to say it. I can spell it. Um, she went the distance. Uh, what kind of problems does she present? Because you're probably going to be facing her. Yeah, definitely. I feel like she's a great rise ball pitcher. She throws balls out of the zone, but also nibbles around the plate a lot. So I think also it depends on what type of umpire we'll have behind the plate. Uh, just to know his zone and know what calls he'll make early in the game. Uh, I feel like we, we can take every advantage that we, we can get at this point. So, yeah, just knowing her zone and knowing um, the type of pitching she'll throw to us. Well, like you said, in that Clearwater-Florida tournament, didn't turn out exactly you know, how y'all wanted. It went over five, and now here you are, yeah. you know, <laughs> top eight teams in the, in the nation. Uh, but y'all have beaten 11 top 25 teams. And like you said, you've played UCLA. You've given Oklahoma one of its, well, I guess, two losses. I mean, you guys are battle-tested, are you not? For sure. I think that Clearwater tournament definitely prepared us for where we're at now, and it prepared us for the postseason as well. Um, we would always joke about how one day we're going to look back on the Clearwater tournament and just laugh about it, just <laughs> throw it out the window. Um, so that's what we're doing now, and we can just be grateful for where we're at now. A lot of teams in that Clearwater tournament not playing this weekend. Exactly. <laughs> Texas Longhorns are. You're the Division One career active hits leader. Um, you broke the Big 12 career record with 30, 332 hits, formerly held by Iowa State Sammy Williams. Blah, blah, blah. The hits <laughs> just keep on coming. Um <laughs> When you took when you when you arrived here and you're you're a Houston area kid, when you arrived here, could you have dreamed that you would have had this kind of career and have been able to go out playing on the sports biggest stage? I mean, I know kids dream, but mm-hmm. did you allow yourself to have those kind of dreams? I always dreamed about playing at the Women's College World Series just because I was that little girl that was in the stands actually watching those series at one point. So but I never thought that I would be a four-time All-American or uh, break all these records that I've broken. Honestly, my freshman year, I was just really just blessed to be out there, blessed to have the uniform on and be in Austin, Texas, like just having goosebumps of stepping on campus. So I would have never thought that I would become the player nor person that I am today. I mean, you guys, I don't know if you guys are a team of destiny or what. I mean, they stuck you in the toughest bracket. You're in their yeah. 12-time champion UCLA, uh, defending champion Oklahoma. But I don't know. Do you almost feel like you guys are a team of destiny? I mean, you shouldn't be here. Went on 
you know, you had that 0-5 tournament, you know, you mm-hmm. had injuries with pitchers and I don't know, it's just, I don't know, do you believe in fate? Yeah, for sure. I definitely think that we're that Cinderella story. I feel people counted us out, especially after that Clearwater tournament. No one would have imagined us being here now. So just proving people wrong and playing with that chip on our shoulder. I feel like we're going to have to definitely carry that into this weekend and throughout this entire uh, tournament. So just continue to play hard and prove people wrong and know that we have that Texas fight that we can go out and beat anybody. Well, Jade, how do you walk that fine line of being focused on the task at hand while, I mean, this is a, this is the one time. So you got to smell some roses while, yeah. you, while you're in OKC. How do you walk that fine line and, and have yourself in the right mental state of mind to get this thing done? Yeah, I definitely think um, like walking up to the field, things like that, I'm definitely going to soak in the moment and just open my eyes and be all giddy about how many people are in the stands and just stepping on that field. But I feel like when I step between those white lines, I'm going to try not to make the moment too big or get too googly-eyed about the moment. And just know that it's a normal softball game. It's 60 feet around the bases, um, things like that. So just not make the moment too big. Well, I know they had overflow crowds in Fayetteville, and I think it was over 3,000. It only seats something like 1,600. Right. 3,000 packed it in. They'll have more than 10,000 for, for, the, for the games up there at Oklahoma City. So, we, I mean, will you allow yourself to kind of take it in? I don't guess you'd take your camera out to second base, take any pictures or anything, but you allow yourself to just kind of take it all in, give yourself a moment. Yeah, definitely. Just go out there and take a deep breath and try not to get emotional about the experience, but it's definitely one in a lifetime. Are you a crier? Did you, after y'all took down Arkansas and uh, did the dog pile and on the way (laughs) back to the hotel, did you, did you have yourself a little cry or did you just, Take a deep breath and just, yeah, we made it. I think I started crying when I made it home back to Austin, just still in disbelief, like, wow, we actually did it. But in the moment on the field, just took a deep breath, like, wow, like, I'm going. <laughs> We're going. And I assume you're going to have Haley Dolcini on the mound. I mean, she only threw, like, 535 pitches <laughs> last week. She's got, like, three pitches left in her arm. I mean, <laughs> Is, is, is she going to be ready to go, you think, tomorrow? Yeah, she's going to be ready to go. I feel like us being seniors and this being our fifth year, there's no way we're not playing on this field and on this stage. So, definitely, she's got that competitor in her. <laughs> she does. Do you know any of the UCLA players at all, personally, Janae? Um, I've seen Maya Brady, Leah Jordan, Faramo. Um, They were all at the USA tryout this past winter break. So, I got to meet them, which was pretty cool. And you're a super senior, you know, you got a freshman like Mia Scott at third base who's just played uh, such clutch softball for you. Do you do anything with the younger underclassmen like that? Do you have to take them aside and kind of calm them down a little bit, you think, Janae? Yeah, definitely. I feel like me and Alyssa Washington, we work well up the middle together. And I feel like she's right there on my tail as far as stats and helping out the team and clutch situations and things like that. So, I feel like me giving them my knowledge is only going to continue to leave my legacy here at the University of Texas and for them to carry that on to the next incoming freshman next year and things like that. So just carrying it on and talking to them as much as I can and giving them the knowledge that I have of the game. That's awesome. And the last thing I've got for you is you got a couple of super seniors in Lauren Burke in the outfield and Mary Iacopa catcher in first base for you. Have you guys uh, shed some tears on this trip? Or are y'all going to do anything special before the first pitch on Thursday morning? Yeah, I think we were all talking about going to the movies tonight just to catch a good flick before we step out on the field and things get serious. So, what are you going thing. to see? No, no. Don't see Top Gun. <laughs> that, is, that is for old people. That's for old <laughs> oh people. Oh, my God. You're crazy. <laughs> Talk, no, there's no such thing as a 65 year old fighter pilot. Stop. He's 59, okay. Um, he doesn't look 59, okay. What, what, what are you going to see, Janae? What are you going to see? And I know it ain't. They were actually talking about going to see Top Gun. Oh my <laughs> God. I rest my case. Don't listen. Is to everybody me. dumb? Is everybody dumb? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs>
I'm going to I'm going to see it, but it's just going to oh, be two weeks. <laughs> but I'm going on vacation. I'm going to go see it then. Well, Janae, uh, we we are so pleased that you stopped by to join us. Uh, much much luck and uh, congrats on a, another great season, a great career. The Longhorns open the College World Series in Oklahoma City against UCLA noon today. ESPN's bringing you the coverage with Beth Mowens, Jess Mendoza. Yeah. Michelle Smith and friend of the podcast Holly Rowe. That's our buddy. She's been on the podcast. We're let's let's hopefully chop it up again and and uh, may, maybe talk about the uh, College World Series title. Won't that be something? Cool. Thank you guys. Congratulations. Tell Tom, uh, Tom Cruise I said hi. Okay. I got you. <laughs> Good luck to you today. Bye. Thank you. On second thought. Doug joining us or the two fastest men on campus. And I know there's some football players that are going to be tripping, but hey, <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Texas printers, Kai Harris, Jonathan Jones joining us, getting ready for the NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships on uh, Wednesday, June 8th at Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon. The women start on Thursday the 9th. Guys, what's going on? Not much. Not much. You guys uh, just chilling till you leave? Uh, yeah. I mean, we still have practice, of course, but we're not doing anything crazy. Right. Well, Jonathan, I'll start with you. Um, seven of the top 10 times in the 400 in school history, uh, You've you've run faster than Fred Curley this year. Uh, what is your? I mean, Fred Curley. What what is your upside? Um, um, is your PR is like forty four four. Is that right? Or is it forty four three? Forty four forty three at conference. So what's the uh, what's your upside? How fast can you go? How low can you go in the four hundred? Uh. Well, we really think I can run 43, and I don't question flow anymore. Flow, flow knows. Everybody there you knows. go. Flow knows. <laughs> I'm just here, um, just believing what he says. And I just, it's a great feeling having that much like, faith in your coach. And the times he gives me, it's like, it's crazy, but I think it's possible. You guys need bumper stickers. Flow knows you need to have hats. You need to have buttons. You know, Flow knows Flo merchandise. Gets it done, doesn't he? Flow knows merchandise coming in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know, guys, if you guys got your rings from the indoor yet. Your national oh, championship no. ring. Not, yeah. yeah. Not yet. We got size for but we haven't got them yet. When are they coming in? <sighs> That's a great question because we don't know. We might get them sometime. In the fall, maybe something like that. Yeah. Have you seen they what they look like? Yeah, we designed them. Yeah. Well, they designed them. Jonathan and a couple other people designed them, so we know what they look like. But it's going to be a while before we get them. Micaiah, um, you know, we talked to Coach uh, last couple of weeks ago, and, mm-hmm. and you know, he was saying that man, you went you went through some injuries. Not making the Olympic team was a crusher for you. He said. Um, and uh, you've used that as fuel. Um, uh, what went into your preparation for this season? And um, that Olympic dream still has to be burning brightly because you've taken a huge step up in those sprints. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I've just trained hard and uh, I try not to put too much pressure on myself, take things day by day. Um, and it's it's really helped a lot, honestly. It's it's that's why, why have you gotten faster? Do you feel like what's what's been the key? You say I know everybody says training, exercise, work, and uh, where where have you shaved uh times? Where, where have you been able to cut your times down? Um, well, I would say last season, um, the way I was running, um it wasn't my typical running style because uh, my strength wasn't there. Um, 
now that I have the stress back and I can finish my races, like I, everybody has a running style. So my running style is in the 200s that I finished really well. Last year, I didn't have that because I wasn't strong enough. So this year, I have it. And um, it, at that point, it's just getting faster. And, and you're, you, go ahead, Sam. How tough was that not making the Olympic team? Uh, I mean, that. I mean, y'all know you, you've been running since you're five years old, and and right. fast kids grow up wanting to run in the Olympics. How tough was that on you? Um, it was really tough. Uh, COVID happened, and that messed up that season. But uh, I kind of let it go because you know it was nothing I could do about COVID. It hurt everybody. Um, and then the next year, uh, I wanted to come back and still have the same uh, impact on NCAA, and I did it. And uh, it kind of bothered me a little bit. And even going into USA, it's like it was just kind of – I'm just here, basically. So, Have you have you always been a sprinter, Makai? Yes, I've always been a sprinter. Originally, when I first started running track, I was 4'2". Nice. Nice. And then, then you look at Jonathan there and starts out in the distances. Jonathan, how many distance runners – turn into sprinters. You, you don't see that every day. What was, what was that progression for you? It was interesting. I think the best person to do it, if I'm not mistaken, is Courier. Uh, he ran the eight and the four. He has like 141 and 44 low to his name. So he's like what would be considered the GOAT for doing the four, eight double. And I started out as a, well, my first race was a 3,000. And then I did a bunch of those with 1500s and then I dropped to the 15.8. Right. And then dominated the 15.8 in the Caribbean for three or four years at like the entire Caribbean level. I was good. And then I got recruited as an 8.15 guy to Texas. And I got here and Flo was like, I think you can do all in the four. I had already started shifting down to the four, but I wasn't yeah. too experienced in it. Like, I didn't have an amazing, amazing time. My 800 time PR was still better than my 400 PR, but he thought he saw a promise, like potential in the four. So that he just, started focusing on that. That just then, amazes me. I just, I mean, Makai, can you see yourself running an eight or five, or fifteen or a three thousand? No, the farthest I will go is the four. <laughs> but the, the, the training is too hard, so that's why that's why I don't do it anymore. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. I mean, to go from a long distance runner to a sprinter. Yeah, I think I'll be a sprinter. What next year? You're going to be a pole vaulter? What, what's the deal, John? <laughs> that versatile. The most, I think the lowest I could go is a 200. Uh, I, don't want to, I don't think I'll be like super competitive. I think I could run a decent two, depending on the field, but I don't, I don't want to go below 400 for competitive. So you, could you give him a Kai uh, race nope. of the 200? Nope, <laughs> not at all. Well, man, what's the buzz like on campus? I mean, you got you guys are are walking walking those halls, walk walking those sidewalks, and Texas is just kicking butt in everything right now this spring. And uh, what's the? I was at a baseball event on uh, Tuesday night, and they're talking about a national championship and uh, women's tennis, rowing. Uh, swimming, every, you know, so many championships this spring. Does that give you guys e- even more confidence? Because everybody in the country is talking about Texas right now. Um, for me, uh, not really. I have like a – personally, I just feel like tennis winning, uh, rowing, that has nothing to do with us. But uh, it does kind of, you know, like – hype the school up, per se, like just the athletics department in general. So uh, I would say it helps that way, but I try to stay focused on what we have going on. Try not to get too excited just because somebody else won. That makes sense. What about about you, Jonathan? Uh, I'm kind not the same, but I do – when the other sports do well, I do get hyped because I'm like – that's just my personality. Like even with my team, like when I'm done competing – or even before I'm competing, like even at regionals, before my teammate that was running the 400, the prelim, the heat before me and the heat after me, you would think I would be like, I was focused on myself, but at the same time, I was still cheering really hard for them. Like I hugged Brian right as he made nationals when he crossed the line. And then I gave 
will a handshake and a hug after he made nationals as well. So it was like other sports doing well and other teammates doing well also fuels me. So yeah, it does it does hype me up a little seeing the other sports do well because it's like I want to do well as well. I want to I want track to be the face of Texas as well. I mean, the brand, like said, says it's exploding. And uh, I was curious that we we've talked for a year about NIL deals and. I don't know if uh, if the track team is really, you know, uh, you know, exploiting that or, or working that game. Do you guys, you two, have some NIL deals? I don't have any. If I'm being Why honest, not? yeah, I don't have any either. Nobody, no one's driving a Lamborghini. Uh, I mean, really? Nah, Bijan is my boy, but yeah, we don't have <laughs> like that. Does he at least give you a ride in his Lambo? <sighs> nah. Man, you need to get on Coach Flo. Said, man, you know, you guys, you guys are number one. You you've won the indoor. You're going for the double. I mean, uh, what 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 do you think as far as the team championship? How do you both feel about your chances in Eugene next week? I feel pretty confident. I feel really, really confident in my team and in general in myself as well. We know what we did at practice. We've seen each other. How we train what we go through, and I think we have a good chance at doing the double. Okay. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, um, oh, I think we can win as well. Um, we just all have to uh, – it's all about who shows up on that day. And then I think if we all show up on that day, then uh, we can win. And for us, too, our uh, projection of, like, team points is really high because I'm pretty sure they don't have any of us really – Winning, we're never the favorite. That's just, you know, track and field. the track and field world has its favorites in certain events. So, um, we definitely have a lot of room for uh, improvement. Well, we know the we know we know the clock don't lie in track. So, yeah, you run you run the times you've been running, and there's a chance. There's a real chance. Um, uh, coach told us uh, last week that yeah, his goal is for you guys to, to win big and to get pro contracts. And um, that's so important in track and field. Um, uh, how, how much of a bearing, I'll start with you, Jonathan, how much does a bearing does your performance in, in uh, the uh, nationals have on, on the possibility of one of these big companies coming to see you and uh, bringing you a bag? Uh, I mean, can you repeat that? Uh, people were walking by. I couldn't really hear what I was saying. Well, Coach said that you got you, his goal is for you guys to get pro contracts. How much? How much of a bearing does uh, this performance coming up, this meet coming up, have on have on one of these companies bringing you guys a bag? Uh, I would say Nationals always has a big impact on you getting the contract, but it's not the end all, be all. And at the same time, for me personally, this season. I haven't been chasing like a bag. I haven't, if whenever I think about the money or, Oh, I want to go pro or this or that, it just adds so much pressure for no reason. It's like, if I'm going to go pro, it's going to be based on my performances. If I'm thinking about the money all the time, then my, my performances are just going to diminish. That's how my brain works. That's how I, so I'm just running for the enjoyment. I, I like competing. I've found my joy in competing again. So I just want to, like protect that piece of, I just want to compete. I want to run fast against someone. I want to win. So if I do that, I get the contract regardless. So there's no point in me stressing on it. So I just think I'll go, I'm going to have a good performance or a great performance, whatever God, I mean, I'm big on faith. So whatever happens, I'm going to be good with it. And if it's to be, it will be. So, Yeah. Okay, do you think about the future Olympics a lot? Uh, is it just way too early to be even having visions of that? Um, I do, but uh, now I used to do that a lot and not take stuff like meat by meat. But um, now I'm starting to take things like day by practice by practice, uh, meat by meat, event right. by event. So it's like if I'm running a hundred, I'm not even worried about. The 200, which is my main event, I'm like, oh, I have to do this or do that in the 200. I'm just focused on that event. Uh, and it helps out a lot because it's like you just look at it as another race. It could be the biggest stage. It could be the Olympic final. But 
when you look at it that way, it's like it's just another race. It takes the pressure off. And, yeah. and you more than likely perform better when there's no pressure because it's like it's the same distance, same competition, just different arena, different meet. So and, and for you to sweep the hundred and two hundred and you know, put your name up there in the record books with Johnny Lamb Jones, Olympic gold medalist, and Jamal Charles, you know, one of the fastest guys ever come through school here. What does that mean to you, Makai? Um, I'm not even gonna lie, I don't even know who those people are. <laughs> oh my god, you got Makai Harris, do your homework. But um, do your homework. We gotta get on Coach Flow about Jamal that. Charles, yeah. um, Jamal Charles. Yes, yeah, is the 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 most prolific yards per carry running back in NFL history. History four point five yards a carry from history. Port Arthur and Johnny Lamb Jones. Tell them that story, Duck, about when you saw Johnny Lamb Jones in the state track. Yeah, and he was from Lampasas, which is you know here in Central Texas, and mm-hmm. he was a football track star, played basketball the whole bit, and uh, he later became Olympic gold uh, medalist in. in uh, Anchor in the 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 mile relay, but his best his most his biggest highlight that I remember would his senior year was the state track meet at uh, Royal Memorial Stadium back when the track was there, and uh, he was running the anchor leg on the mile relay, which is what they called it back in. And uh, when he got the baton, he was more than a hundred yards behind, you know, maybe more than that, and. It was when he got the baton, I'm thinking, well, this is going to be interesting. I wonder how close he can make it. And by before the backstretch even, he had already taken the lead, and he won by, oh, 20 or 30 meters. It was the most – and there were so many kids there just exploded on the track. You'd have thought he was Michael Jordan or LeBron James. <laughs> it was one of the most wildest things I've ever seen. So for you to do something he did, Makai – that's big, big stuff. Big yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I never really think about like setting records or being the best at Texas, because um, I just I just go run and compete. And if it happens, it happens. Because like that's not like my end goal is to like mm-hmm. be the best track and field athlete that comes from Texas. If it happens, it happens. So like for me, it's like when I see the stuff, I'm just like I'm grateful for it because I work hard and I accomplish something. Uh, being in school history, so um, I am grateful for it, but at the same time, it's not like a mission of mine, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's good to have a clear mind and not be, you know, have all these jumbled thoughts in in, in your yeah. mind. And, and I don't know, uh, Jonathan, you know, you're from Barbados and grew up in Florida, but, you know, I know your grandparents kind of raised you in Barbados. You still got a big fan club uh, back yeah. there in the Caribbean? Yeah, a lot of basically the entire country – like supports me whenever I do well. If I go on Twitter, I I'll see people from up. high school, people like from my neighborhood, people I don't even know. Like will repost it. Will be showing someone else. Like uh, just the whole of our Like even the craziest thing was when Rihanna followed me on Instagram after the Olympics. I was like, "There's no way this is Rihanna. This isn't the real like Rihanna that just followed me." Wow. wow! Wow! I gotta ask: Did you did you slide in? Did you slide in those DMs? I was just like, "That's Rihanna. That's crazy." I was I was I was standing for like twenty minutes straight when I woke up that morning because it happened. I I went to bed. I woke up. I went through my Instagram because I had posted a picture and it just said, uh, "Bad gallery followed you," and I scrolled past it and I rubbed my eye and then I scrolled back down. I was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." That's Rihanna. That's Rihanna, Rihanna. But yeah, I have a good, I have a great support back home. Even here at Texas with my teammates, I have really good friends. Me and Makai are damn near brothers. Me and KB are very close friends. So it's like I have a support system here. And you're, well, two, so, thing, two things I want to say is you need to tell her you're going to be in Eugene next week to come out and support. Uh, the guys uh, on the track. And uh, I think you need a, an NIL deal in Barbados. I mean, you know, you get a lot of love there, right, Sid? He needs an NIL deal from Rihanna. I don't care about no <laughs> Barbados. I care about Rihanna. Hey, money, That's money. the NIL I'd be trying to get right there. <laughs> She's about to have a baby, though, so I probably need to be more respectful. 
Yeah, <laughs> she's about to have a baby. She's about to probably have a baby. Do. You know, the other thing Coach Flo told us on our podcast a couple weeks ago is how calm this team is. Remember that said? He said, yeah. you know, a lot of these guys and girls on our team said, you don't know if they're going to run a race or going to a funeral. <laughs> and, yeah, both of you guys kind of talk about that. It's just, just kind of an ultra chill men and women's track team. Uh, yeah, for certain athletes. Well, I think everybody's different. Um, uh, it just depends on the athlete. But on the men's side, I can say, like, it's pretty chill. Um, I was kind of conditioned in high school to not, like, show emotions when I'm at the track or, like, about to race and stuff like that. So I'm pretty, like, blank face. Like, don't talk to anybody. None of my competition. If you try to talk to me, I probably will ignore you. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I can say that's probably like that for most people on the team. It's just, you know, it's very dull, quiet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it starts when we're warming up. Like, when we're not about to compete, we're in a warm-up, like, in the team camp, like, we laugh, we joke. But it's like, as soon as it's time to warm up, it's just, you know, like, it's, it's a switch. We can turn it on and off. So who's the chillest dude on the team, Jonathan? The chillest that's a hard one. It might be Daniel. Yeah, actually, no, it is Daniel. It, it's it probably is. Daniel. Daniel doesn't speak unless he's spoken to. <laughs> Daniel said three words a day, and that's his limit. How does Flo try to motivate him? Um, you know, that's a great question. I don't know. That just shows you how much he speaks. He does that speak. <laughs> I that's don't know. Nuts. I love that it. is nuts. Um, I love hey, um. So, uh, Jonathan, you're not, are you eligible to run for the U.S. or is it Barbados all day long? Uh, I am eligible to run for the U.S. because I was born in Florida, but I was okay. raised by my grandparents since I was six months old in Barbados until mm-hmm. I came here for Texas. So, so you're American. Yeah, I run for actually I could run for Jamaica as well because I have my I think my dad's side of the family is Jamaica Jamaican, so I can run for those three countries. But because I was raised in Barbados and I love my country, I always go to Barbados. Wow, it's good to have awesome. I love the story that uh, you tried out for the national team and what was it, 2014, and you were a few seconds slow and they invited you to join the team anyway. And you didn't, no, 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 I want to earn it. And so, yeah. and so you didn't make the team till 15. Yeah, I didn't like in high school, I had my coach was a military. But he was military as well. So we were very like, do you have, like, Makaya said, he didn't talk at track meets and he was always close, like, no emotion. I was the same way. I didn't speak at track meets. I just showed up to compete and that was my mission. So when I didn't hit the time, I think I, I had to run, if it was the 800, I had to run 158 or something back then. Yeah. And I ran. 159 and they were like oh you can represent barbados we'll just take you for the experience which looking back i probably could have used but in but i'm glad with my decision of like no i'm not gonna take a handout i'm gonna earn my spot because nobody's gonna throw it in my face after like oh he didn't even do well or you could have taken someone else i was like i'm gonna earn my spot and that's how my mentality kept like going forward and that's why i kept barbados teams because i'm like i refuse to get a handout i'm gonna earn my spot I'm going to be the best to leave Barbados. So I'm glad I did. The last thing I got, is there anybody we should be on the lookout for that, man, they're just kind of slowly improving, improving, and now they're peaking. Anybody that we should be on the lookout uh, from Longhorns and Eugene next week? Um, I don't know. I think that – I personally think – we will run fast next week, um, but I don't think it's like anybody that's flying under the radar mm-hmm. right now. Maybe, maybe Brian. I was that's that's the one I was thinking about. Maybe that's maybe Brian. Brian or Brian Harris. Say that. Brian that's Harris. Brian. Yeah, Harris. Is he gonna break your Aaron. record, Jonathan? I hope so, but not while I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like the competitiveness. Well, guys, man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Check out the Micaiah Harris and Jonathan Jones at the Nationals. Micaiah in the 100, the 200, and the 4x1. Jonathan in the 400.
the 800 and the 4x4. Guys, good luck, and uh, hopefully we can chop it up again uh, before the Olympics. Or, um, are you? Uh, hey, uh, are you? Are you doing the worlds? Um, yeah, no? we're doing world championships. Um, the trials for US is, I think, it's the two weeks after uh, NCAA's uh-huh. for the US, I believe. In Eugene, right? Yeah, it's in Eugene. Yeah. So y'all be y'all gonna be doing that too. So y'all got a busy summer coming up. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah, and all and all you Austin companies that are watching this, these two guys, man, they crush it. Okay, you need to sign them up and 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 give them some coin here. Okay, because uh, yeah. they're getting it done for the UT. Right? <laughs> Who yeah. knew that Kirk Bowles was a hype man? No one knew. <laughs> He's a hype man. He's a hype man. We don't even hey, need guys. a cut. We said we don't even need a cut. We just want these guys to be re- repaid for uh, all their work. So. Speak for yourself. I want. I want a piece. I want a piece of that. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, take care. We guys. appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck to you. Thank you. Bye bye. On second thought, Duck, what a podcast we brought to the populace today. Great visit with Janae Jefferson in her first college softball World Series. Wonderful visit with Jonathan Jones and Micaiah Harris all over Texas baseball opening up against Air Force on Friday. Check out our stuff on hook'em.com. Danny Davis will be bringing the game stories, myself and the duck, all over the columns. We're going to do it again next week. That will do it for episode 263 of On Second Thought. For the Duck, Kirk Bowles, I'm Sid Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to One Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Sid and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.